0: No man, It's a tough one. It's tough. We, we we fought hard all year. Um, obviously a lot of people doubted us, but we didn't doubt ourselves. Uh we didn't give a damn about anybody's predictions going into any series in any game. We we expected to win. <laughs> all right. And that's the way we played all season long, every game we expected to win. And so uh yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough one.
1: What a game. What a series. And what a season. That was Chris Paul after a hard-fought first-round series against the Rockets. The Thunder's season came to a close in Game 7 that came down to the wire. Lou Dort shined. Chris Paul led valiantly. And the Thunder put up a fight that will not soon be forgotten, Nick.
0: They fell 4-3 to in this series to Houston. And I know we were up till late, till 2 in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep. The players, they were feeling angry last night. They're feeling sad today. And this day, for Thunder fans too, I know Thunder fans are feeling the same way. This day, this feeling, that's what the NBA is. You know, Paris, this is your first year in the league. And I know you're kind of feeling all the the crazy emotions that happen when a season ends. And for the 29 teams that don't win the title, this is actually what you're fighting for all year long. You're scratching, you're clawing, you're bleeding for six months, in this case, 338 days since training camp started, just to have the right to feel this crappy the day after a tough loss. You're you're desperately trying to make the playoffs knowing that more than likely, you're going to be one of the 15 teams in the playoffs that doesn't win the championship.
1: And you heard the emotion from Chris Paul right after that game. I mean, this team in particular, Nick, you mentioned all the other teams that will ultimately feel the same feeling. But for this team in particular, and after this series full of twists and turns, that there is a lot of heavy emotion that comes after that sort of game that ended in a last-moment effort to try to win the game. And, I mean, the Thunder has a lot to be proud of, but there was a lot of twists and turns throughout this series from starting out 0-2, coming back, and then fighting blow for blow to bring it down to the very last moment to decide a winner.
0: Yeah, the hurt is the sign that you were close. Uh, Mm -hmm. If it was a 4-0 sweep, it wouldn't be as much of of the pain that Thunder fans, that the players, everybody feels – The fact that you're down 0-2, you've gotten blitzed from the three-point line by the Rockets. You can't really figure things out on offense. And then you come storming back with two huge wins. And even the series up on the back of just some incredible clutch play. You feel like, uh, you know, as watching this series, both teams were truly alternating playing exactly to their identities. What the Thunder has been all season long is the best clutch team they get themselves to stay in some of these games long enough to strike in the closing moments. Houston, meanwhile, being that team that is so high variance that one night they're going to just be impossible to beat on offense, another night you're going to be able to hang there with them.
1: That's right. And here's the thing for the Thunder. There were a lot of really good things that happened, not just in this last game seven, but throughout the series. And one of the things that sticks out in my mind in particular, Nick, is the growth that we saw incrementally throughout the entire restart from these NBA rookies for the Thunder. Lou Dort and Darius Baisley, and we'll start with Lou in particular, who had 30 points in game seven.
0: This is one of those things that you don't really know in real time, but this is going to be known as the Lou Dort game.
1: And you have to take it into context. I mean, this guy had to show some incredible mental toughness after a a tough game five where he didn't make a three-pointer and then came back and shot the ball really well in both game six and, of course, in game seven. And the, the 30 points that he made notched a few pretty impressive milestones by a rookie. And one in particular is the most points by an undrafted rookie ever in an NBA playoff game.
0: Just lit up all the Thunder record books as well. Most points, most made threes. He'd actually tied the most points for a Thunder rookie in a playoff game in the first half alone when he had 18. And this was really a situation where Houston was, their game plan on defense was, we are going to make Lou Dort beat us. And the fact of the matter is Lou came within one more made three that got blocked by James Harden of actually doing that, of actually accomplishing that and beating the Rockets. Um, Not single-handedly, but they put the the, the Rockets forced the ball into Dort's hands over and over again. They sagged off of him defensively, left him open from the three-point line, forced him to be a playmaker. And frankly, for a rookie in a game seven in a series where, he could have been distracted by all that outside noise. He didn't let it happen, Paris.
1: Not at all. And I think that also stems from the confidence that his coaches and teammates instilled in him. And Coach Donovan said it after the game. It was the most impressive performance by a young player that he had ever seen. And Lou had some very, very poignant and emotional words after the game. It was, it was tough, you know, going undrafted. And this team just gave me a lot of confidence. And, you know, just from the vets, Chris, Dennis, Gallo, Steve-O, Cole, Billy, Sam, you know, they just just gave me a lot of confidence. And, you know, they really trusted me. And, you know, it's, it's a blessing just to be here, you know, me coming from Montreal and being here with all these guys. And the way we play didn't add up away, way, but it was big. It was, it was big. It was hell of a season I had. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that.
0: Well, Paris, you hear Lou just, sum up better than anybody could the last 14 months of his life. And it's just remarkable to think about a a kid who on draft night last year probably looked around and and thought, what did I just do? Just a little bit over a year later, he's starring in an NBA playoff game, a crucial game seven, and just the journey that he's gone on uh, during that time. And you have to think the same thing about Darius Baisley.
1: Uh, He had the very equivalent rookie year roller coaster that, I mean, obviously looked a little bit different, but he had injuries that he had to deal with and he didn't play organized basketball last season. And yet he came in and he absorbed all of the coaching and and the instruction that he received from his veterans and his coaching staff to really make incremental growth throughout the season to where he came in in game seven and knocked down two huge three-pointers he came down and wrestled some hard fought rebounds that were critical for the thunder and just showed his composure throughout this entire series.
0: Oh, the way he ripped that ball out of PJ Tucker's hands. I mean, you do not see that from rookies in NBA playoff games.
1: No. And and that's the other thing. When you come into a game, you're, especially in a playoff game, your minutes are, are very, very valuable and very, very important. And, Darius and Lou both came in and just gave valuable minutes, it, whether it was wrestling a rebound or knocking down three-pointers. It was just some incredible maturity and composure illustrated by these two rookies.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk Bayes a little bit more. This is a guy that averaged you know, about seven rebounds per game in this series and was just incredible in terms of, of adding that, figuring out what his team needed during the course of a series and then just going and doing it. And uh, it just reminds me of the way that he attached himself to Chris Paul throughout the, the course of the year. He was like a little barnacle on the Chris Paul ship, you know, just making sure that he was aware of everything that one of the very best leaders in NBA history has ever done.
1: I was off the court, too. We, we discovered that the two representatives for the Thunder in the Board of Governors meeting through those three days that the, team, the teams took off from playing playoff games to talk about social justice, the two representatives from the Thunder were Chris Paul and Darius Baisley. This guy, we have seen his his potential on the floor with his size and his length and his athleticism. But the way, like you mentioned, he attached himself to Chris. He's got such a high ceiling off the floor too.
0: I love what Chris said that basically he, he would turn around after some of these meetings and Baze would still be there. Chris would be like, what are you doing? What are you still doing here, man? Baze just has that, he has that depth of, of character and a very wise beyond his years thinker.
1: And Nick, if you watched the team walking off the floor last night, you see Bays walking right next to Chris Paul. And that's really where this stems from. You mentioned it, is that leadership that Chris showed, not just on the floor, but off the floor throughout this entire NBA restart.
0: The thing that people admire in our culture and in our society is when somebody willingly takes on as much responsibility as they can and they don't shirk it off and assume that somebody else will do it when they step up to the plate and they take things on their shoulders that they can handle. And Chris Paul showed that he can handle everything that he took on. He has been an incredible leader for this Thunder team. He's been an incredible mentor to the young players on this team He's been an incredible player for all, or a credible leader for all of the players in the in the players' association. He's been an incredible ambassador for the NBA as they work together on uh, these ways of impacting sustainable change. He helped save this NBA season twice. Uh, it's just incredible the things that that Chris has taken upon himself and found a way to successfully find solutions for in ways that people really respect and have he's not uh come off as a tyrant he's not come off as um you know one of these maniacal leaders he's come off as a bridge builder and come off as somebody who serves and that's uh, one of the best leadership styles that there is
1: all the while nick playing high level basketball And that showed itself in game seven, Uh, this guy was averaging He was the most experienced player on the floor when it came to game seven situations and he was averaging 20 points, nine rebounds, three steals. And he hit basically all of those marks in game seven. He walked away with a triple double, his third career playoff triple double in his first since 2011. He had 19 points, 12 assists, 11 rebounds and two steals just absolutely just illustrated his leadership that is so important to this team on the floor
0: too. You mentioned 2011, just remind everybody, the guy's 35 years old Mm -hmm. and doing this in a high pressure playoff situation against a team with an unprecedented style.
1: The thing that'll stick out to me is his ability to kind of galvanize and make relationships with every single member on this team. Coach Donovan talked about after the game, how you have eight new faces on this team and they they gelling and meshing is just you're never sure what it's going to look like chris paul not only made great relationships with dennis shooter and danilo gallinari and stephen adams but the way that he took under his wing those young players like Shay. I'm including Shay in the mix as well and his leadership with him, Lou, and Darius and just allowing them to have an example of what it means to, you know, take care of your body and make sure that you're always ready to play and rising to the occasion and, and handling yourself with composure and poise when not just the game is on the line, but a series and the season is on the line. I don't think there's any better example than Chris Paul.
0: I want to take it back to what I mentioned earlier, which is 338 days ago when training camp started back in September. And Chris mentioned down in this bubble experience, thinking about that time and how upfront and honest everybody was with each other and straightforward about what the goals of this season were going to be. As you mentioned, eight new players on this roster, a a team and an organization that was kind of pivoting in terms of direction. And Chris made a connection with every single guy. Every time he was asked about somebody, he had something very specific and positive to say about his teammates. He said Danilo Gallinari was one of his favorite teammates of all time very quickly. He said he was going to ride with Lou Dort till the wheels fall off. This is an undrafted, two way rookie player. Dennis Schroeder, a guy that would have naturally just been an absolute competitor for minutes with Chris, a situation where in some other markets and some other organizations with different types of people, those two would have clashed immediately, worried about who was going to get shots, who was going to get playing time, who was going to get the ball in their hands. Instead, Chris embraced Dennis completely and, and said that he he would ride with him anytime. You take a look at a guy like Shea and Chris too. That is a natural rival for, for, for a guy like Chris Paul, the young up-and-coming point guard coming in, trying to establish himself as a face of a franchise. And instead of pushing Shea away Chris Paul brings him in closer, finds a way to make sure that this team maximizes everything that they can get out of him. Uh, just stunning, stunning maturity, leadership, selflessness, um, that in, a, in an industry like the NBA that can be cutthroat and highly competitive, you don't always see people handle things with such grace the way that Chris did.
1: Here at the Thunder we like to keep the main thing the main thing and Nick the main thing is that these guys who have been inside of the NBA bubble for 57 days now have the opportunity to go home and reunite with their loved ones who they've been separated from for eight weeks and one of the things that sticks out in my mind is Chris Paul who said that he, he's never missed one of his kids birthdays and he missed his daughter Cameron's birthday and whenever all of the the conversations around social justice really heightened he said he really wanted to be able to speak to his kids at that point and all he had was FaceTime really and now he has an opportunity along with all of the other Thunder players to be able to go home and reunite with their families
0: yeah I mean you think about a guy like Terrence Ferguson who was posting photos and videos of his daughter constantly and you know you could tell he was just going through his camera roll to try to find new, you know, stuff that he had taken a long time ago to post. And you know, Dennis Schroeder leaving the bubble to go be there for the birth of his daughter, and then finally towards the end, uh, his son and, and wife and their daughter get to to come and join him in the bubble. I think we saw them playing a little putt putt or something. Uh, he and he and Dennis Schroeder Jr. These are the human moments that. These guys sacrificed all of this time away to to entertain everybody, and now they get to go home and, and live normal lives.
1: It certainly is a bittersweet aspects to to the end of this season Uh, obviously unprecedented season where you're separated from your family and loved ones for so long which probably added to you know the the emotion and the toughness that came with this game seven loss not being able to go home and, and and be with your loved ones after each and every game in this playoff series so a bittersweet end to this nba restart but certainly one where the Thunder and all of the staff members as well get an opportunity to be back with their families after eight weeks away. It is now time for Made You Look, and this is actually a very interesting piece of Thunder history. We're recording this on Thursday, September 3rd, which marks the 12th year of the Thunder brand and identity. On this day in 2008 was when the, the team unveiled the Thunder Shield for the very first time. And Nick, this is finally something that was both before my time and your time here at the Thunder.
0: That's right. Uh, I joined the team in 2012. Uh, this is obviously back in, in 2008 down at Leadership Square which uh, actually is where the Thunders' business offices were for the first few years before we moved into the arena. Producer Hindi is telling me this is actually one year before he was with the Thunder, too. So the podfather uh, was preceded by this event as well. Just uh, very cool to think and just pull back a little bit after this emotional loss in Game 7 about everything that's happened in Oklahoma City over the last 12 years. The growth of the city, 10 playoff appearances in 12 seasons, The number of hall of famers that have come through this organization in that time span really thunder fans have experienced in some ways an entire nba organization's 40 year history in the span of 12 years so a a lot to feel very fortunate about
1: it is now that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline and we are using this segment of our podcast to shout out the person who was on the ground in Orlando working day and night to capture the very content that blessed our timeline throughout this entire NBA restart. And that's our social media coordinator, Kobe Van Lone, who should be enjoying a well-deserved break after all the hard work that she put in gathering content, just really a one-woman content machine while she was down there.
0: Yeah, it's impressive, the, the work that she did down there. I'm obviously so proud of everything she did, everything that our whole Thunder Digital team did during this time, adapting, adjusting, working with the NBA, who did an incredible job of making sure that we got content and footage and photos and everything that we needed back here in OKC to keep our, uh, all of our Thunder channels constantly pumping out new material, all our social channels, the website, making sure that we had stuff ready to roll for our broadcast on Fox Sports Oklahoma too. So really uh, proud of everybody involved.
1: And we mentioned the players who sacrificed so much to, you know, entertain and, and play basketball and finish out this NBA season. But you also have to shout out the everybody who made it possible. And that includes Kobe and the entire Thunder staff that was down there helping the players finish out this season. And Kobe did provide some incredible content, especially after game seven that was featured in our game seven video recap that was produced by our very own producer, Hendy. And it really did capture the wild ups and downs of game seven and the heartfelt emotions that followed.
0: Yeah, these game recap videos are branded the 48 and they really try to tell the story of the whole game in uh, some sort of narrative format, using player quotes and using uh, setup and build up from Fox Sports Oklahoma announcers Michael Cage and Chris Fisher and Matt Pinto, our, our radio play-by-play announcer. And one of the things that is so much easier to do in a normal setting is to get tons of angles of these guys, get mm-hmm. these really poignant shots in post-game scenarios as guys are walking off the floor. And uh, Kobe was charged with doing a lot of those types of things for us as kind of a, a one person band. And I think the shots that she got, particularly of Chris Paul and Lou Dort in the sound bites that you heard earlier in the show, really paint a better picture than you could ever possibly tell anything that we could explain uh, in terms of what this playoff run, what this year, what this season meant to all of these guys. And I think for Thunder fans, That's what you want to feel. You want to feel like at the end of a series, no matter what happened, that those guys cared just as much as you did. And I think you can see that written all over their faces.
1: Just big shouts out to Kobe and of course, producer Hindi who will be putting the link to the 48 in the show notes for today's podcast. That wraps up today's podcast. want to thank you so much for listening all season long and following along this incredible journey of the thunders 2019 20 season with Nick and I be sure to stay tuned for future podcasts as we look forward to an upcoming 2020 2021 season and keep you updated on all that happens. Thank you so much to our producer. Be sure to like rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and until next time thunder up and catch you later.